Remember in primary or elementary school, where you're asked to learn the times table? 3 times 1, 3. 3 times 2, 6. 3 times 3, 9. 3 times 4, 12. <laughs> I could go on, trust me. But I'll stop there. We were taught and even told to memorize them. But what exactly did it mean for 3 times 3 to equal 9? Again, we learned of states and capital. In my case, Abia, Umaya, Adamawayola, Akwaibom, Uyo, and the list goes on. But what exactly was the significance of Yola being the capital of Adamawa? Is memorization the name of the game, or are we just suffering from a form of narration sickness? This is what I hope to explore in this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Etiquette Podcast. My name is Ore, and I will be your host. All right, let's dig in. So, Paulo Freire was a Brazilian educator in the 1960s, and he basically critiqued the um, approaches or the prevalent approaches seen in schools and educational systems at that time. And he noted how the education system had been reduced to nothing but a knowledge deposit that had no transformational effects on the learner and the st- or the student. He said education was suffering from a narration sickness, where the teacher just narrates, narrates, and narrates as if the students were empty containers and his task was to fill them with whatever information he or she deemed fit. As with the example of the times table and the state and capital that I mentioned earlier, where the focus is on memorizing, even though you don't know why, what for, or the relevance of this knowledge, the information becomes lifeless. If I'm unable to connect knowledge or learning to real life or see the bigger picture, it becomes nothing but abstract, lifeless, motionless, hollow, alienated words that have no transformational, if no transformational power on me, essentially. From this, he coined a term called the banking concept of education to describe this whole depositing and knowledge transfer because of its similarity with the banking world where deposits were made by the depositor, in this case teachers, and then they were received and stored by the depositories, in this case the students. And so you receive these deposits, you file away your creativity, your uniqueness, your inherent skills, and instead store these deposits till further notice, maybe when you need them in a test, an assignment, or whenever they're just called upon. This concept was formed by Freire in the 1970s, and now, over 50 years after, it is still the same thing. Freire argued that this passive mode of education was not education at all, as it was actually a form of oppression that suppressed the true nature of the learner, which worked to eventually produce passive members of the society. It suppressed the learner's curiosity, inquiry, creativity, leading them to be oppressed, passive citizens of the society, adapting to the world as it is and to the fragmented view of reality that was being presented to them. This way of teaching wrongly positioned the teacher and the learner, with the teacher teaching and the students being taught, saying that the teacher knows everything and the student knows nothing. The teacher talks and the students listen meekly. The teacher chooses and enforces his choice and the students comply. 
The teacher is the subject of the learning process, while the pupils are mere objects. I just want you to take a moment to reflect and see if this was your reality. And how do you think this shaped you? Or was your situation different? And how do you think that shaped you too? Personally, I don't think I've connected more with a, with an historian concept or an educator the way I have with the banking concept of education and with Paulo Freire's work. I saw myself 100% in it and really and truly reflected the way I was taught or the way I learned, the way my education, so to say, was majorly formed. Not only that, but I realize now that even as I teach, I'm eventually replicating, I'm, I'm gradually replicating that cycle and becoming that same teacher, that same educator, positioning myself as the custodian of knowledge, so to say, and um, shaping my, be, be it students or shaping the people I teach or the people I interact with to almost, to fit into almost a box, a standard, not leveraging on their uniqueness, on their creativity and on the things that make them who they are. Robinson, a leading educator now in the 20th and 21st century, speaks about the two parts of um, performing an activity. He speaks about the task and the achievements. So one side being the fact that you're tasked with the activity, the second part being the fact that you're achieving the activity. So you can be engaged in the activity of something but not actually achieve it. So um, an example here would be dieting, for example. You are dieting, and so that is your task. You're tasked with dieting, essentially. But then, well, maybe if your reason for dieting, for example, is to lose weight, you see that you're not really losing weight, and the weight is, is not going anywhere. So you're not achieving the purpose of the dieting, but you're still going on with the task, essentially. I hope that's clear. So he explains that teaching is a similar activity. And then you can say that a teacher is engaged in the task of teaching, but not actually fulfilling it if no one is learning. Because at the end of the day, the role of the teacher is to facilitate learning. And if that is not achieved, then we're missing it. And only one part of that activity is, is being considered as is, um, is taking place. Teachers are definitely the lifeblood of schools, no doubt, the lifeblood of the education system. Teaching is a creative profession, not a delivery system or a narration process. Great teachers mentor, they stimulate, they provoke, they engage. The whole point of education is learning. And if there's no learning going on, then there's no education. So what do these two educators think that the education system should actually be? What do they think that we should be doing instead? And I think firstly, they go back to the purpose of education in itself. And this just reiterates the quote that says that if the purpose of the thing is not known, then abuse is inevitable. And they both agree on the fact that education is a liberating process and not an oppressive one. Education is meant to liberate you, is meant to free you, is meant to guide you to becoming who it is that you're meant to be not to oppress you to fit into one thing or to fit into standards. Ken Robinson speaks about the diversity of humanity and of humans. 
Um, he uses the examples of children, even in a household, and how um, differences are prevalent. And so how much more in a classroom? He says that these differences should be encouraged to flourish. These differences should shape the way the individual is brought up or the way the individual is educated. Going back to free air, he emphasizes about the liberating power of education, saying that education should not be oppressive in any way. It should not suppress any parts of the individual. It should instead fuel and awaken the things that are already inherent in us that make us who we are. He explains that education is a process of becoming. It's a process of becoming who we are, who we ought to be, becoming more fully human. He mentions or he terms this process of becoming fully human an ontological vocation. And I love this term so much. <laughs> I don't know, the phrase, so to say, ontological vocation. It sounds very complex or it sounds sort of complex, but it's quite, um, it's quite straight to the point. Ontology basically means reality or what we perceive as reality, basically being what we perceive as reality. While vocation is obviously your calling or a job or a profession. So what he's basically saying is that the job of education is to lead you towards discovery of who you are is to lead us towards the discovery of our being is to lead us towards the discovery of our reality that 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 is what he's saying essentially and so he's saying that the solution is not to integrate everybody into the same system or to integrate us to fit into systems of society which can kind of box us up or even cause us to feel oppressed but instead to transform us or to transform the structures of society so that they can become beings for themselves and so to highlight this he mentions three concepts that we need to do or that we need to put in place to ensure that the education system is better positioned to accomplish this firstly he speaks on the importance of dialogue basically students and teachers being engaged in meaningful conversations stirred up by an actual interest and curiosity which is usually birthed by day-to-day experiences or our current um, and past realities essentially secondly he speaks of something called praxis and praxis is basically a, a reflection it's reflecting or a relation of this past experience or knowledge that we've had or we've gained from before to help us unveil um, this new knowledge that we're trying to learn or that we're trying to acquaint ourselves with. This liberating power of education that we've spoken about can essentially only happen when we're able to reflect and then act. And so basically it begins with the reflection, but then he acts, it ends with an action. And then third, he speaks about critical consciousness. And so the dialogue, the first thing I mentioned, and number two, praxis, helps in developing a critical consciousness. Basically, being aware of our situation, being aware of our reality, if it is um, oppression, if it is suppression, if it is whatever it is. And I'm speaking beyond the classroom right now because our reality goes beyond what is in the class. 
I'm speaking now to the area we find ourselves in. I'm speaking to the nation that we are in. I'm speaking to just things that we experience, political, culturally, socially, economically. Everything forms who we are as individuals. And these are things that we must be awakened to. And that's, these are the three things that um, Paulo Freire speaks to, essentially. And so critical consciousness is not just basically taking things. First of all, being aware of current reality, not taking things by face value, but actually challenging it as required. Um, so that is it. And so the three things, dialogue, praxis, and critical consciousness. And Freya says that a combination of these three things, these three approaches, will help us to develop a liberating form of education, which he then terms a problem-posing education. I feel like I've mentioned so many terms <laughs> in this episode, so I'm not even going to go into that for, for another, another day. And so that is it, basically. To end, I'm just going to end with a quote from um from Friere and from one of his famous books the pedagogy of the oppressed the students no longer docile listeners are now critical co-investigators in dialogue with the teacher whereas banking education anesthetizes and inhibits creative power problem posing education involves a constant unveiling of reality the former attempts to maintain the submersion of consciousness. The latter, however, strives for the emergence of consciousness. And so I hope you've been opened and enlightened to the liberating power of education. Education is not just neutral. It's not meant to leave us the way it found us. It's meant to guide us on becoming more of who we are becoming who we ought to be truly and becoming fully human um, essentially as i've said before thanks for joining me in this episode have a great day